This has been a long time coming. We've been talking about a podcast. Every day, every afternoon, every morning, there's a new story being told or a story untold. Welcome to the Scratch Your Niche Podcast. Well, Ben, it's so awesome to have you here, man. I so appreciate you taking time out of your day to come and be a part of the podcast. Tell the listeners about your business, where you located, how how did you get into architecture? Um, Our business is Ferguson Architecture. We're located in Tacoma. We're in the old buzzards on um, Jefferson between um, near 17th. Oh, awesome. So on one side of us is the rock, and then the other side is the Swiss. So if you're having a bad day, there isn't too far to go. you to. got a couple options. It's all, <laughs> you're just up the hill from our coffee shop. We are. We walk downtown, down the stairs Tacoma. down to the Tacoma, um, the one at UWT all the time. Oh, that's awesome. We man. have meetings there sometimes. Thank you. Right on. So how'd you get into the business? What made you want to start this thing? Um, the Ferguson Architecture? Well, I've always been... I, Wanted to be an architect since I was a kid, so this was the dream I had always had. And, uh, and when did you start this? Um, I started the business in 2015, April 1st. Amazing. My last day of having a job was March 30th, 2015. Oh my goodness! What did you do before that? I was an architect for the last uh, 20 years before that. And you said, "Hey, I'm going to do this for myself now." Uh, initially, my plan was to become the leader of the firm that I was at, <clears throat> and uh, I'd been working there seven years. I was a junior partner, and I was a senior leader of a medium-sized firm in town, and I found that I was tired of swimming upstream and trying to convince people internally of what I thought we should be doing, and um, I realized after a while that you can't, you can't help, you can't make somebody see differently than they think, so what I realized was the easiest path for me was to um, risk it and prove that it worked or it didn't work. And if it didn't work, it's on me. Wow. So, so I, I knew I didn't want to do what I was doing. And uh, the moment that it changed actually was the, <clears throat> there's that week after Christmas where people take a, take a week off and relax with their family. In 2014 on that week, I was sitting at home and my wife said to me, is this who you are now? And I looked at her and I, wow. was, I was like, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? This is like that's a little scary. What, what what do you mean? And she said, "Well, you used to be passionate. You used to be excited. You wow. used to be like go go go, and now you're mostly cranky and you complain about work all the time." And so she said, "Are you going to do something different or do I need to get used to this is who you who you are now?" And that was kind of the slap in the face that I needed to Man, just an aha to, moment, to wake just, up call. Yeah. So that was the that was the moment that started me down the path of, wow, she's right. I've kind of lost my way a little bit. Did you sense that? Did you feel that about yourself? Yeah, yeah. But I was so committed to the organization I was a part of that I wanted, I knew what I thought it, you know, I've, anyone in business, you see what's working with your clients, you see what's working with coworkers, you see what's working. And I really felt like I had a thing. And I couldn't convince any of my partners that that was the thing to do. Gotcha. Some of the young staff was really excited about it, but none of the people above me were. Were you kind of holding on to hope that things might change yeah. and that you might be able to kind of do your thing? And then all of a sudden just said, you know what? I'm going all it's in. Not, Let's it's do not this working. Thing. Yeah. So I decided to um, quit a perfectly good job that was safe and kept everything going well and put it all on the line. And um, That's so, awesome. But we have a saying in our family, you know, uh, that Reynolds are risk takers, you know. Um, in this day and age, it's far riskier to actually play it safe than it is to take a risk. Like every, like we have so many things at our disposal that help us launch businesses, market businesses, and just go for it. Yeah. And man, I, I love that, that that you've connected this to passion. That so often we just kind of 
you know, we're fulfilling somebody else's dream at a job. Um, but, and that can work. I think if your passion and your purposes are aligned with their mission and their, you know, their values and things, but there comes that moment where it's like, man, I'm just not feeling it. And, and to be able to recognize that and then to do something about it, I commend you for taking the risk. So tell us how that, how that all came about. What, <laughs> what was your first step? Did you buy the website domain name? Did you no, just say, I'm no, going no. for this thing? The first step I did was I um, wanted to see if I thought I could survive because I didn't want to just jump out there and lose my house and, you know, I'm in my 40s, so I didn't want to just toss everything. Yeah. So I spent about a month and a half putting together a financial plan. Really? And okay. So that was January, February-ish? Yeah. And I was, so evenings, weekends, I was just grinding on it full time, figuring out. Was that giving you like extra life? Just kind of, you were excited oh, about great. kind of planning this it thing was out? great. I was making spreadsheets and yeah, you love it. trying to figure <laughs> out like what my expenses are going to be. Um, luckily, the role had been in, kind of had transitioned to into business development. So I knew, I knew at least with the company I was with, how much work I could bring in the door. Yes. And at my worst month, half of that, half of my worst month ever would be enough that I would have a pretty good life for myself. Yeah. So I thought, hey, this is doable. Uh, I never, I never had a lot of concern over what I stood for. So I didn't need to spend a lot of time figuring out how I wanted to be. Um, Pete Carroll was somebody who's really, uh, his leadership book, um, Win Forever. Win Forever. Is that a good one? It's You'd recommend fantastic. it? fantastic. Wow. And, and what I really got from his book was that when he failed, so you would say him being in the NFL twice isn't failure, but his, his notion was, I did it twice and it didn't go well. So when he went back to USC, before he went to USC, he took a year off to just figure out what he stood for and what mattered to him. And for, for him, what he decided was that competition was the thing that he cared about and that he valued competition in people. So he said, I tapped into what matters to me and I went for it and I surrounded myself with people who think like me. Yeah. And then I decided that my next chance, if I get one, I'm going to go all in on my belief. So I decided to do the same thing. And for me, um, the term is called thrive. The reason I quit my job was because I wasn't enjoying my life and it was showing up with my wife. It was showing up with my family. Yeah. So I decided how can I create an organization that allows me and the people who may work for me someday to thrive. And was that like a, a, a blatant mission statement? Was that something that you kind of a driver, a motivator, if you will, the, the original three words that I had was called seek, engage and thrive. And awesome. seek is looking outside yourself, trying to get more perspective because um, it's easy to get trapped in the way that you see the world. And oh, yeah. I, and I yeah. think that's an important one. But I Especially think we also, in architecture, yeah, right? Yeah, because we're not designing buildings for ourselves. And then the second one is engage, which is um, kind of like a collaboration, but it's, it's more... Um, I like that. It's more partnership. And then the last one, what I thought is if we were seeking engaging, we would thrive. Over the years, and as our firm's grown, so we have um, 12 staff now. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, so we were in my basement for eight months. There's... <laughs> We ended up having five of us in my basement, and it was time to like put on our big big boy pants. And, yeah, go find an office. And go get a lease. Yeah, <laughs> Good for you, man. Um, so what's transitioned, and this is something I'm really excited about, is Thrive has evolved um, as we listen to our staff and think about what's the what's the utopia that people want to work in. Yeah, um, Thrive has evolved to be um, an overlap of three things. So what, what we're focused on is how do we have our people be whole our work be whole and our passion be whole. And 
as we talk with each other. That's cool. If there's any one of those things that's suffering, then our life isn't as isn't as rich as we hope it could be. So what we talk about is the thrive is the overlap of those things. So if you think of a Venn diagram, um, we're working on something that's more clever than a Venn diagram, but <clears throat> the idea of a Venn diagram where your people is, it can be your family, it can be your coworkers, it can be consultants, it can be clients, any your community, all those things fall into your people. Yeah, And then your work is... Um, are you advancing in your career? Do you feel good about where you're going? Are you enjoying the work you're doing? Um, is your work environment working for you? Are you working 80 hours a week or 40 hours a week? Oh, these man, are things such good stuff. These are things that are work. And then passion is what's the thing. Um, we talk about this all the time with people. If money wasn't an issue, time wasn't an issue, what would you be doing with your time? And wow. how, how can we allow people to have people work and passion and not have to have one of them or two of them be in the backseat. And it's challenging because every one of our staff has something in their life that's pulling on them harder than the others. So um, if one of if one of them gets so big that it pulls away from the other two, we believe you're suffering and you're not thriving. And you have to realign and Correct. kind of reel it back in. Right. So you believe that it's possible for people to people uh, as they are individually their work and their passions to all be aligned and to be able to thrive in that all. And that's, you drive that. I mean, that's one of that's your... That's our goal. That's your, the core it, purpose of your organization. I'm reading that on yeah. your paper. That's awesome stuff. This, um, this paper that I have, we have a sticker that's on every one of our books. We have a, Everyone in our office has a red book. And on the inside cover, we have this because we don't want to lose track of what, of what we're standing oh, about. Oh, so when, good. So when we're making decisions, we're always looking at that and saying... Hey, we're having this obstacle, or we're we're trying to go here, and we always bring it back to how does it feed this? And I think it helps us not get off track because yeah. it's really easy to chase the lights, and then pretty soon you look back and you don't know where you're at. Totally. So, so this is our way of um, it's kind of our compass to keep us. Ben, it's very rare that people forward. you know have, create guiding principle sheets like this. You know where you're you have your your business definition, your core values, your mission, your purpose, all that stuff. You know. Very few businesses actually have these. Those that have them typically have them as an ornament on their wall or, or some kind of fancy little poster. But for you guys, how, how do you implement that on a daily basis? How, and how have you seen great results uh, staying tied to that, staying tethered to it? I know how we've done that at Anthem. I mean, mm-hmm. that's our guiding principles inform our design choices, the way that we lay out our spaces, where we even open up coffee shops, and then specifically how we build our people. We build them around these guiding principles. So I understand the importance of it, but how have you felt that in your organization over the years? Um, when I first started hiring, the first two hires that I had were friends that I'd worked with before. It was kind of like getting the band back together. Been there, brother. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. It was like, oh man, this person I know that we're compatible. I know she's super talented and she's um, a young leader, go getter. So there's a matter of there was people in my past, um, and there are some people that I haven't been able to bring back into the band yet because they're out there doing their thing. Yeah, but I'm working on it. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and then um, I think what we've decided is when we search for people, we ask the typical questions that you get in interviews, but we don't actually we're not looking for the answer. We're looking for who are, who are they in that answer. So we're asking open-ended questions. We have a list of things that are values and things, and we're looking for evidence. Of that how the, they've maybe fleshed that out in their lives. That the person naturally is that thing. Yeah, fit first. Because, it, well, that's the same thing. So this comes back to Pete Carroll again. 
If you um, listen to the Seahawks talk about how they pick players, there's thousands of people in the draft. So the first thing they do is they find people who have the attributes of competition and some physical abilities, and everyone else is out. So they narrow the thousands down to like 30% before they even start, and then they can really focus on the 30%. Wow. So we're trying to take that to heart. So um, when we put an ad in the paper for a person, we intentionally put things in there that we're hoping will resonate with people that will fit our culture, and we're also putting bombs in our ads because if somebody isn't going to fit our culture, we want to drive them away. We don't want to have to go through... We don't want to respond to and rereading resumes for people who won't fit. Yeah. So we do this with clients. We do it with everything. We try to repel the wrong people and attract the right people. It's intentional. That's awesome. And you've developed a great system to be able to do that. Um, I, it's working. I think that um, all of our people that we've hired have really been a pretty solid fit. So, What would you describe as your specific niche in architecture in, in the city of Tacoma and wherever else you work? I think the fundamental... Uh, niche is I know that we want to be a firm that's in Tacoma and the immediate surrounding area. I have no interest in having a big company. I have no interest in doing work all over the place, traveling all the time, spending hours and hours in the car going to meetings um, because it doesn't let me thrive. So I love that. So it comes back to thrive again. What are you starting with the end in mind? This is my goal. This is my heart. This is what I want to be done. Yeah. So most of the people in our business, what we find is that what's really rewarding about it is when we're done, there's a thing there that we get to see. There's a building, there's yeah. a space. So that's really rewarding. And if that space is in Moscow or it's in California, there's no personal gratification of having something out there that you never see or never You don't get to drive with. by it. No, it's You not. can Google Earth it, but that ain't going to help nobody. Yeah. <laughs> For other people, that... That motivates them, but for me, it doesn't. And then the other thing that I found that I really like about my job, especially as my role as a leader, is I love the relationships we build with clients because um, designing projects is a very intimate thing because what we're trying to do is listen and draw out the soul of what somebody's goals are. Very true. And Good. Then, and then deliver something that they didn't know was possible because we were digging things out of them that they they don't even know that that's what they're looking for. And when you deliver something like that and somebody's like, oh my God, that's exactly like, I can't even How believe. I envisioned it, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's, it's the best. So I like when I'm going to the store or going to a Rainier's game that I'm running into the people that we're doing work with. Um, when I was at my last firm, we do work in places that were hours and hours away. And I love the relationships. But when the project was done, I never saw them again. And it's a little disappointing. And so we're trying really hard to stick to this Thrive thing. And we care about our community. We care about who we're working with. We care about the work we're doing. And specifically, since I've started this firm, I'm really passionate about helping people's businesses be successful. And um, Really? Very interested in it. After so, they've built their building and all that stuff? There's sometimes that we will help somebody out on a problem they're having. Like right now, I'm working on... Um, uh, there's a small bar in the 56th and South Tacoma Way neighborhood, 
and they didn't do their permitting correctly, and now they're getting problems with the city. So this is not like a super fun project, but I take it really seriously that somebody's business is being impacted. Yeah. So how can I help them out and make it be not super painful for them? Um, that's not going to be something that's going to be on our portfolio, but it's something that's making Tacoma a stronger community. That's awesome. So that's, And it's so fulfilling to help serve oh, others in other fantastic. means. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, talk to me about your feedback loop. You mentioned something, you know, about being able to be connected with the clients that you produce for. What does that look like? Like, you know, you said you don't even want to have anything to do with those that you wouldn't even be able to see. Um, those that are in Tacoma and the surrounding areas, how does the feedback process look? You know, when you, you're asking them, how, how's the building working for you? Or what, how does that look, the follow-up? And wh- um, why is that important to you? I, I think, I don't know, I think this is a complicated it's a complicated question. Um, what's one thing that's fun about architecture is when we're done, generally it's like the best Christmas anybody's ever had. Cause most of our clients don't build lots and lots of projects. So they're not jaded by it. So when you build them something or they're build a mesmerized house, by they're the like, finished this deal. is the greatest thing. Like I'm, I've dreamt about this for a decade and here it is. So for the most part, our interactions with our clients is super positive at the end because they're super excited about it. And there's the typical friction, I'm sure, throughout the process, right? Yeah, there's friction, but I think that we're getting better and better. One of the things of being small and being in Tacoma is we're getting a network of contractors we like to work with. Oh, great. And people that we're connected to. And what I've noticed is if the, if the owner has the patience to follow the process and they let us do our job and they do what they say they're going to do when they're going to do it, it's not that complicated. But when people try to cut corners or they try to make it extra fast or push things through extra quick or to get around corners, it always causes problems. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I think that's one of the harder things is trying to manage, um, manage the expectations and manage how people behave so that it goes smooth because yeah. this, it's getting easier and easier as my career goes on, and I um, there's less that I don't know I don't know. That's true. As you're, yeah, applying yourself and growing yourself and learning in the yeah. industry, and of course, every client you're able to learn and grow and and figure out more efficient ways to to produce the product. And yeah, and a lot of our clients don't know that they don't know the things that we know. So in their mind, they're like, they trust no. you. Yep. But if they trust us, it goes super smooth, and um, I think that's part of the. You know, so partly our job is to keep them out of the ditch, kind of, kind of the way that a lawyer would yeah. would help you steer. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I don't. I don't know what's wrong with me. I just know I don't feel well, right? So if you come to an architect and they're good, their job is to ask you questions and set up the right team so you can be successful and right. keep you out of the ditch. Um, and sometimes clients. They want to veer when you don't want them to veer. Yeah, we and call that uh, crossing <laughs> into the lanes. You know, let yeah. us do our job. Yeah. I can make you a great coffee. You don't have to watch me do it. You exactly. Know I mean? exactly. Uh, so. But, uh, man, well, Ben, tell us, tell us about maybe a project that you're working on currently that you're super excited about. Uh, one that we just finished. Well, so E9, um, the E9 Brewery yes. and Room. It opens on May 1st. Oh, my goodness. I'm marking my calendar right um, now. And uh, soft opening is next Thursday. So we're really excited to um, enjoy it. They've been brewing. We've been done for about three weeks, but they have to have enough beer on tap to be able to serve people. Got you. Yep. So um, that's going to be that's, hot. That's happening, and that's going to be really cool. Um, John Zitko and um, Jeff Paradise and uh, X Group are great to work with. Corsmo was our contractor. They're somebody that we've done a lot of good work with. Um, that one's pretty exciting. Um, 
And then one that, another one we just finished, which is really cool, is uh, at Cheney Stadium, we did what's now called Club 1882. You guys did that project? Yeah, that was ours. I got to hang with some of the sales guys over there and spend some time. Pretty and, cool, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. That was I've our seen project. all the all the mock-ups and everything. I didn't know that was yours, man. Yeah, that's well ours. And, um, the renderings look cool. Like, it, it, Correct uh, me if I'm wrong, but they tried to create a, a space you know, for people... To just enjoy going out and going to the game and hanging, but still getting a great view, of course. But you know, yeah. is that true? Like, that talk was to us about goal. that space. So, <clears throat> initially, when the Rainiers came to us, and Corsmo brought us into this project, so um, I think that's one of the things. You love baseball a, too, by the way. I, I love sports. Do and you? Baseball's great. Oh, cool! What a fun deal. So um, we they, we got brought to this project, and the Rainiers said, "So we have our offices. They had typical offices, offices, conference room, and they said we want to get rid of all this." And we want to have a party area. And we were like, that's awesome. That's going to be so much fun. And they said, and we want to use the party area for our offices. And our initial answer was, those are incompatible uses. It, that won't work. Interesting. They wanted to have kind of an open concept office scenario, but also that could be used for, for clients, customers, people coming to the ball game to yeah, hang they, out in. At nighttime, they wanted to be like... Party lounge. Like party lounge. And during the daytime, they wanted to be their offices. And we were like, wow, how, how do you do that? That's Because no one wants to be in a party area that looks like an office. True. <laughs> and offices typically aren't set up like party areas. So That's we were, a challenge. I we like were this. really grinding on it. And we came up with an idea. And um, it came. the idea came from our conversations with the Rainiers about what we like about Rainiers games. And I like to go to Rainiers games. But usually... Um, watching the game is part of the activity, but it's really connecting with the community, connecting with your friends, having conversations. That's the part that we see a lot of and that we really like when we're at the Rainiers games. It's a really unique environment. And I think in that regard, it's different than when I go to a Mariners game. Almost almost like when you de- design a space, instead of all the seats facing the field, I'm sure that you had to get creative with how some of the spaces kind of create places for meaningful conversations among people, right? So Yeah, so our pitch was, let's make it like you're hanging out in your living room while you're at the baseball game. That was the pitch. That's awesome. <laughs> so what we did is we took all the walls out, and we basically removed all the windows and turned them into garage doors. So along the whole thing, there's seven garage doors that roll up, and then inside there's sectional couches and drink rails, and it's like... It's like a really chill lounge at the baseball park. So you can sit in a couch with your feet on a coffee table this is so unique. and watch a baseball game. It is so incredibly cool. Have you been yet? Oh, yeah. Is it? Uh, it's fantastic. Seeing the thing come alive was yeah. amazing, man. Yeah, you always worry when you see do something new like that. Yeah. When you do something new, there's a chance that there's um, problems you didn't consider. Sure, sure, sure. And so far, so far it's working really well. And the customer loves it. Yeah, everyone's like... So cool. Um, I've been to the game three times, and when I go through, um, I watch, and people are chilling, and their feet are up on the coffee table. They're totally relaxed, chatting with each other. Like, it's super cool. Man. I don't think there's anything like it in sports, so we're really we're really excited for the opportunity to do something. And we wouldn't have come up with that solution if the challenge wasn't Presented. difficult. Yeah. Because everyone knows what a party suite looks like. It'd be really easy to make a party suite that yeah. looks like a party suite. But it's the, it's the opportunity of how do you have it be offices. So during the daytime, we designed it to be basically like a co-working area. I love that. So it's, a, it's co-working during the daytime, and it's a party suite at night. And then um, one of the areas that was difficult was typically a co-working area doesn't have a bar. 
And there's a bar there. There's a bar. Wow. Full cocktails. The, the whole, whole thing. the whole thing. Oh man. So there's a bar, and that doesn't really fit to an office environment. And if you're in a party suite, a kitchenette doesn't really make sense either. So what we did is we made a combination. There's a kitchenette, and then right next to it, there's a bar, and we have a 12 foot garage or a, like a barn door that slides back and forth. So during the daytime, the kitchenette's visible, and then at night, they slide the barn door over. And it covers up the kitchenette, and the bar is exposed. Oh no, kidding! So it can—I gotta see this. It can be one or other. It's kind of like awesome. those little coats when you're a kid, where you could flip yeah, it the, inside the reversible. out. Reversible. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah. So it's a reversible party area. So we're doing a bunch of stuff like that. So and cool. It's the best part of being design is where you get to solve a challenge. That's oh, that's I the agree. Best. I feel like that's what my job is. I'm a professional problem solver, day in and day out. As we manage our soon to be eight locations, we have six currently at the time of this podcast, but. Uh, two more launching in South Hill, and yeah, that's it's. There's nothing more fun than trying to find creative, outside of the box solutions to to the problems that arise. So, Absolutely, Ben. What uh, could you tell us a little bit about what might be next for Ferguson Architecture? Um, we're trying to do more of the same, but do it better. Um, some of the projects we're working on right now, uh, we've got a our biggest project ever. So our normal projects might be in the. Two hundred fifty thousand to two million dollar kind of construction range. Um, our biggest project by far is an apartment building that's about ready to break ground in the St. Helens neighborhood. Oh, really? It's uh, across the street from Red Star Taco. You know, there's the UFA, USA of yesterday. Um, there's the like Art, yes, Art Deco totally building. Know. Yep, yep. Just north of that, there's a giant hole that has like a little. Um, garage carport kind of out on the street that hole is going to be where this apartment building is going to be and it's going to be 247 units so that was um our first super big boy project no kidding and it's going super well and it's going to be beautiful and we're really excited about that so um i'm dying for that to break ground it's taking a little longer than i hoped but we're we're almost there is there a crazy like if you could just in a perfect world and like have a dream come true, is there a project that you would love to undertake or work on or something like that? I wanted Old City Hall in the worst way, um, and we were second place on the. Dude, I wanted it oh, so bad, man. like I can feel it in my soul. Oh, I hit a pain point. <laughs> yeah, and we didn't get it. Yeah, but I think um, overall the projects that I think are. What the, would you've done there, out of curiosity? Uh, we wanted to do micro retail on the first two floors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like a 250 to 300 square feet, high dollar per square foot, but low cost. Um, and the goal was to aim it at makers and to yeah. ma- aim it at um, people who are local entrepreneurs. And I think this idea is still viable in Tacoma. We just need to find a different building different for building it and a different execute. developer. Um, but Tacoma has tons of people that innovate and have small businesses and they're doing it out of their house or they're doing it in... Um, kind of co-maker spaces and there's nowhere that really fits their demographic for what they're trying to sell because it doesn't make sense to have a thousand square feet or no, 1200 square right. feet yep they need 200 square feet that they can sell their products out of so they're selling on the internet and doing all these things but there's not a place for them yet and i think tacoma desperately needs it and i agree I, with you 100 i thought that was the perfect Man. place so i would love to find the right so if anyone's listening out there, uh, if there's a great building, Ben's got a great vision yes, to will. make it come alive. You're right. It, I think you know the future of commerce for uh, brick and mortar, specifically in the city of Tacoma, I think we could capitalize is, is by having multiple vendors, like you're suggesting, but also wrapped around an experience, whether the building you know, itself 
is experiential. It's old. Maybe it tells a story, but also what's featured in the building from, you know, craft breweries or micro distilleries or whatever it might be that, hey, I can go there and try these things and experience different things while I shop and um, all the businesses working together collaboratively to draw more and more business to one another. Collaboration, man, I, I think that's a powerful thing in the future. And how do you see that? Let's live there for a minute. Collaboration. How do you see that uh, working in Tacoma and taking us to the top? Um, I think Tacoma is the easiest place to collaborate that I've ever that I've ever been. Um, when I decided to start doing business development, it only took three or four months before I would, you know, I was really investing myself in going, being involved in the community and being a part of committees and steering committees. And, um, you know, now I'm on boards and some different things, but it's the same idea. And once you really start to invest in Tacoma, other people in Tacoma are very open to inviting you in. Yeah, good. And um, I, f- I don't think I could have started my firm the way that I did without those connections, without a bunch of people who are rooting for me. The first day I left and, and I sent out an email, hey, I'm on my own, I had three or four people who said, I got something really little. I don't know if you want it. I was like, of course I want it. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I just think Tacoma is the perfect place for that. And... Um, our work is something where if it's just one person's idea, it's thin. The idea is thin because it doesn't have the richness. It's like if um, when, when you have other people contributing to it, you get to pick and choose which parts of what people are contributing that you want to add to the mix. Yeah. And it can get really rich if everyone's bringing their own perspective to it. And, I agree. And they're not like trying to be the rock star the hero, or it's about yeah. me. Like who cares? Who cares whose idea Let's just it was? Collab Let's together get it done. to create something amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Dude, I love it. Well, Ben, this might be a funky question, but I'm going to ask it. We're going to just try it because we can always edit these parts out <laughs> in podcasts. <laughs> Bring it on. But uh, you know, how can I help you today? How can I add value to your business? Is there is there a business breakthrough that you're maybe something that you're struggling with or or just a pain point in your business currently? I, any way that I can help? I'd love to. Um, wow. My, that's a, it's an interesting ask because I don't normally think that way. Um, I think what I value the most when I'm dealing with, uh, like CEOs, which I don't get a lot of opportunity to chat with people like you, it's maybe understanding, um, how to drive your business forward. Sometimes I feel like I'm driving in a car where my um, windshield is fogged. Yes. Where, um... I know how to do the architecture. Where's that defrost button? Where exactly. Is it? <laughs> the defrosting is a tough one. Yeah. Um, we're really good at the architecture side, and our business does well, but sometimes I don't feel like I'm as strong as a business person as I am as an architect. So we're still learning how to do financials and things that help us project where we're going to be. Right. Um, and as we're getting better at that, it's easier to manage cash flow. But I think that's the area where, um, where I'm really hoping to advance here in the future, um, one thing that, that I've thought about that could be really interesting is it might be interesting at Tacoma to have, um, small groups of CEOs from non-competing things where, um, kind of like the EO model where people can get together and talk about challenges and opportunities and things that they're approaching or whatever, where we can kind of cross pollinate each other. Yeah. Those kinds of things would be really helpful. Like somewhere safe where you could talk about your finances and your books and, Hey, why is my margin 
8% instead of 12% or these kinds of things and let people um, chip away at it. That would be cool in the future. Yeah, like a mastermind kind of thing. I would love it. Let's take a stab at this fog thing for a minute, man. I, okay. I've been there a lot. You know, I've, I was a doggone good barista at one point, you know, with the apron on and making the coffees and doing all the things, you know, um, and much as I imagine you are with architecture. But when you're running a business, it's a completely different thing. And what I realized was... I had to replicate myself and other people. You know, I, I had the vision for what Anthem would look like and uh, the beliefs that would drive the behaviors that I wanted day in and day out. And I realized that, you know, first of all, I had to clearly articulate what an experience should feel like, should look like um, to our team. And then I had to pass that on and, and coach that in them and, and train them in those ways. So I even at one point, there was somebody who would follow uh, kind of my day-to-day and write down Brianisms, the way I would say things, the, uh, the different movements and the processes that we would execute day in and day out to, to run our coffee shop. And, and then I got into this uh, season where my team said, hey, I think we're good now, B. You can go back and spend time with your family. And I was like, Wow. I don't know what to do with myself now. You know, I had to reinvent myself and, and the role. And really, a fog rolled in at that moment. This, like, I, I, mean, I was most comfortable. I knew that I had to go work on the business. People had been telling me for years, work on the business, not just in the business, the whole e-myth thing, right? But I didn't know how to actually flesh that out, how that would look. And so in being, you know, not, I wasn't forced out, but my team was like, hey, we got this. We feel confident. And as I'm watching, I mean, I'm applauding. I'm like, yeah, oh, cool. Awesome job greeting that person. Well done doing this. I finally realized, man, my next step is, is now to go get some fresh vision. I got I to gotta just kind of get away from everything. Find a whiteboard. I'm a whiteboard guy. I love to just dream on a whiteboard and, and think about the future. But um, the only way to clear the fog, I think, is to get away from the biz. Just get out of there. Give yourself a half day away. Half day. Take a moment and just, what I did is I drove to Suncadia. I love that place. And I just sat in their lobby as if I was a hotel dweller that day. <laughs> I sat there by the fire, had some coffee and uh, found actually a, a room with the whiteboard, little business center and began to dream. And it's in those moments where we go and get fresh vision uh, that, that it's like having the defroster come on. We get some clarity. Then we're able to come back and articulate that and inspire our teams and give them uh, hope that we're heading somewhere, actually. You know, we're not just stuck in the daily grind, and that's where we can live. And I think sometimes as CEOs and business owners and leaders, we're most comfortable in that daily grind thing. It's, it might be a little counterintuitive or uncomfortable to go and get that vision, but I know that I know that I know you can't lead others where you haven't first led yourself. So, like, we got to go figure out what's next, take the land, hack through the bushes, figure it out, come back, and then let the people know. And then it's a matter, yeah, just of empowering people around you. Um, you know, sometimes too, when the fog rolls in, it, you, you might be carrying certain things um, on your to-do list day to day that shouldn't be in your lane. And so I love to do what I call a brain dump. It's a beautiful thing, man. When you just let your brain kind of relax and every task that you're doing, this isn't a to-do list. This is just, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing as a CEO and leader right now? And you just begin to task out everything. And as you do that, you get it on paper, on purpose in front of you. It allows you to kind of see, man, can I move some of these categories to, to other people? Can I delegate certain things to, to others instead of, so that I can focus on what, what I can do, what only I can do, what I'm called to do as the owner of the biz. Then last thing I'll share, my fourfold responsibility as I lead Anthem is, um, it, it's super simple, to protect culture, to cultivate leaders, to cast vision, and to grow daily. 
And those four things, I mean, there's lots of responsibilities under all four of those, but as I focus on protecting culture, you've built an incredible culture. You're... It's so funny you say that because our um, what I have in front of me is the what our kind of values and strategic anchors are. Yeah. Um, our strategic anchors, these are the things that we commit to do as an office, is to take pride in being good partners, to cultivate ambition in our coworkers. Oh, I love so it. So a lot of these are the same ones as, as ours. And we create high-quality modern design. That's the part that we're here for. But um, under our core values, we have no B, no BS, be authentic. So our core values are things that you can't violate. Right. If you violate these things, you shouldn't be at our company. It's countercultural. So we Out want you go. <laughs> authentic people, be yourself. Good. Um, and be humbly confident because architecture can tend to be a thing where you become arrogant mm. and we don't want to fit the stereotype of a typical architect and stay hungry. So I think these are the same. I think uh, there's a lot of overlap. That's so. awesome. Well, is that helpful for kind of clearing the fog? You deserve oh. a day away, bro. Take a half day away. <laughs> Go to the Rainier's game and just dream a little bit and get away from no, it. No, that'd be good. I it's think the... it's so helpful, man. And uh, I know for for me, I try to do that quarterly at least. Um, it, it's just, it, it revives me. It refuels me. Um Again, you can't give what you don't have. And so I think oftentimes, too, CEOs, leaders, business owners, we, we unintentionally neglect ourselves. And we got to realize that who we are comes to work with us, right? So yeah, absolutely. if we're not taking care of us first so that we can take care of everybody else the best that we possibly can, then it's time to take a little breather. So it's good advice. Ben, it's been awesome hanging with you, man. It Thanks, really has been. I, I commend you on all the projects that you've worked on. I'm excited to see the, the Shaney Stadium one and especially E9. I'm a beer guy. I love craft beer, so it'd be fun to catch a beer yeah, we get they, there sometime. They barrel age beer, which is pretty oh, interesting. You're talking my language now. <laughs> I've loved some of those things. Well, awesome, Ben. Great job, and uh, thank you so much for spending time with me today. Thank you very much.